I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everybody. Today's show is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. You see, Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses that are a fraction of the price of mattresses one can purchase in the store. The mattress industry has, for too long, forced consumers to pay notoriously high markups, and Casper has had enough. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of their mattresses through cutting up the middleman, the retailer, and selling directly to you, the consumer. Now, you see, for years, I've had trouble finding a mattress that has the perfect blend of bounce and stiffness until I finally received my own Casper mattress. Casper mattresses provide resilience and long-lasting supportive comfort, and this has literally changed the quality of my sleep overnight. Ha! A hybrid sleeping product that combines premium memory foam with latex foam, it has become the most awarded mattress of the last decade. Uh, Mattresses start at $500, and they go as high as $950 for a California king-size mattress. These are great prices. If you, like me, are tired of expensive mattresses not actually making your quality of sleep any better, it is incumbent upon you, my friend, to go out and get one. Casper mattresses are easy to purchase, and you can do so risk-free. Casper offers free delivery right to your door, and if you are not satisfied with your purchase, you can return it within a hundred days at no cost. Let's be honest, guys and girls, lying on a mattress for a couple of minutes in a showroom is simply not enough time to tell if that is the right mattress for you. Now, Casper is willing to give the listeners of Cool Canadian History $50 off their first purchase. All you need to do is go to the link caspertrial.com slash history. That's Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R, trial, T-R-I-A-L dot com slash history. Get your purchase, get your mattress, sleep better now. Hello and welcome to Cool Canadian History. I'm your host, David Boris. Today, Season 4, Episode 6, Canadians on the Bridge, Part 2, A Star Trek History of James Doohan. Today, we continue our two-part series by doing a deep dive into one of the most iconic engineers in all of science fiction history. Montgomery Scott A. Scott, played by Vancouver-born and World War II veteran Canadian James Doohan. Once again, today's podcast is written by Star Trek aficionado 
Cam Smith. And thus the reading recommendation this week is an audio recommendation instead. Check out Subspace Transmissions, where hosts Cam Smith and Tyler Orton will regale you with everything and all things Star Trek. You may even get a chance to hear my familiar voice if you check out episodes number 69, number 157, number 181. Number 69 is actually my personal favorite as we engage in the greatest debate in the science fiction universe, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Check it out to see which side of the debate yours truly comes down on. James Dewan was born in Vancouver, British Columbia in the year 1920, the son of Irish immigrants. While Dewan's mother was a homemaker, his father held many different jobs, including that of a pharmacist, veterinarian, and dentist. His father actually owned a pharmacy on Main Street. Now, Dewan's father struggled with alcoholism, and the family eventually was forced to move to Sarnia, Ontario, where his father attempted to start over. It was here, in Sarnia, that Dewan went to high school and in 1938 joined the local cadet corps. In 1939, Canada went to war against Nazi Germany and Dewan enlisted with the Royal Canadian Artillery's 14th Field Artillery Regiment. His time as a cadet allowed him to be commissioned as a lieutenant in the regiment. Dewan's service is an incredible story in and of itself. You see, while he arrived in England in 1940, his first taste of combat wasn't until 1944. In fact, the 6th of June, 1944, at Juno Beach in Normandy. He was credited with killing two German snipers that very day. During the evening of the 6th of June, Dewan was crossing between Canadian positions when a nervous Canadian sentry opened fire and shot Dewan six times four bullets to the leg, one taking off his right middle finger, and the sixth hitting him in the chest. The bullet that hit him in the chest would have surely killed him had it not been stopped by a silver cigarette case given to him by his brother. Incidentally, you'll note that every time they showed a hand energizing the transporter machine, it was a right hand with all five fingers a hand model would fill in for those scenes. After his wounds at Juno Beach, Dewan transitioned into the Air Observation Pilot Program. This was basically a pilot or a person who would sit in a plane and fly high above enemy terrain scouting for enemy positions and enemy artillery, basically acting as a scout in the air for the artillery. Once graduated from this program, Dewan thus piloted a tiny yet quick and agile Oster aircraft, often way out over enemy lines, scouting and conducting reconnaissance for the artillery. Effectively, what you might call an artillery officer pilot scout, all in one. Legend has it that Dewan was quite the daredevil, and once flew his Oster aircraft between two telegraph poles simply to prove it could be done something that got him seriously reprimanded by his superiors. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. After the war, Dewan moved to London, Ontario, and eventually enrolled in a Toronto drama school. From there, he won a scholarship to Neighborhood Playhouse in New York City, where one of his fellow classmates included Canadian Leslie Nielsen. Incredibly, one of Dewan's first television gigs was also, just like fellow co-star William Shatner, on the Canadian version of the Howdy Doody show. In fact, Dewan and Shatner both also had roles in the Canadian sci-fi Space Command. Dewan, like Shatner, thus began compiling his resume and began receiving more and more work on U.S. television. He worked in a variety of shows, including The Fugitive, Bonanza, Magnum P.I., Man from Uncle, Bewitched, and shows like The Twilight Zone and Outer Limits, which William Shatner also starred in on a variety of occasions. A versatile character actor, with now 15 years of experience in the industry, Dewan was recruited by director James Goldstone when time came to cast the second Star Trek pilot, Where No Man Has Gone Before. Assigned to read for the role of unnamed engineer, Goldstone felt Dewan's mastery of accents might help Roddenberry, as Gene Roddenberry, Star Trek creator, flesh out his supporting cast, which was intended to represent mankind's diversity. After cycling through a handful of different accents, Dewan was asked which one he preferred. He told them, if you want an engineer, in my experience, the best engineers are Scotsmen. Roddenberry and his team liked the accent and supported his decision. Bursting with confidence, Dewan then suggested they name the character Montgomery Scott after his grandfather, and they complied. Upon completion of Where No Man Has Gone Before, the fate of Scotty and Dewan's continued employment proved as unstable as a warp speed engine pushing past 9.5. Roddenberry, still finalizing the exact makeup of his now greenlit series cast, wasn't feeling the character. We don't need an engineer on the series, he determined. Thankfully, Dewan's agent, Paul Wilkins, was outraged over the decision and persuaded Roddenberry to rethink the decision. The Enterprise's fun-loving miracle worker was saved, with Dewan being formally added to the cast shortly afterwards. While still largely unformed as a character, producer Gene Kuhn recognized the value of Dewan's contributions and worked to refine Scotty's relationship with the show's leads. Efforts were also made to work Scotty into command situations while Kirk and Spock were on crucial away missions. Although sidelined from the central plot, he brought authenticity and gravitas to Scotty's moments in the captain's chair. Still... The studio was only willing to pay for three headliners. So Dewan, Michelle Nichols, George Takai, and later Walter Koenig would have to be content with minor technical business and only the occasional spotlight. It wasn't until the second season episode, The Wolf in the Fold, a Jack the Ripper in space tale penned by psycho author Robert Bloch, that Scotty got much of a character showcase. While not one of the series' better episodes, it certainly allowed the actor to have fun with the character's pub-crawler reputation and Aberdeen roots, even though Dewan later argued Scotty is actually from Elgin, 40 miles west of Aberdeen. A reminder 
You can find us in all your podcast listening devices, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and of course at our homepage, coolcanadianhistory.com. If you go to our Facebook page or our website, you will see links to PayPal or Patreon. Both of these links provide safe and secure ways to donate to the podcast. We survive heavily on your donations, and every dollar donated is extremely helpful in allowing us to continue to bring you this history program. As well, on our Facebook page and on iTunes, you can leave us a rating and a comment. We love to hear from you, so please don't be shy. The second season of Star Trek also produced Dewan's favorite episode, The Doomsday Machine, a tense, nail-biting hour in which the Enterprise faces down a gargantuan space weapon. The episode features several great instances of Scotty's characteristically clever problem-solving under extreme duress. However, when asked about his love for this episode, he would emphasize its suspense and thrills over his own work as being the key deciding factors. As the series moved into its final stretch, covered in Canadians on the Bridge Part 1, Dewan had the odd, significant episode, but along with his secondary character colleagues, was often frustrated over the show's indifference towards the supporting cast and the attitude of star William Shatner towards them. The cast felt that Shatner lacked consideration for their talents, regularly requesting script rewrites to keep the focus on the main trio. Over time, Dewan would become Shatner's most vocal critic, refusing to speak to him later in life and even flatly stating, I like Kirk, I just don't like who plays him. After Star Trek went off the air in 1969, Dewan found himself typecast in the Scotty role and virtually unemployable. Thanks to his too convincing TV brogue, studio casting agents weren't interested in hiring who they determined to be a Scottish actor. Thanks to this shared industry assumption, he worked only intermittently, spending the first half of the 1970s struggling to survive. Thankfully, Star Trek's boosted popularity and syndication and the birth of the convention scene where he became a beloved fixture acted as something of a life preserver for the actor. And once Filmation's Star Trek animated series launched in 1973, Dewan finally had a worthy outlet for his considerable vocal talents. In addition to breathing life into Scotty once again, he also voiced the new alien navigator, Lieutenant Eriks, who replaced Walter Koenig's Chekhov, as well as several dozen other characters including Klingons, Alice's White Rabbit, and original Enterprise captain, Robert April. After plans for the planned Star Trek Phase II TV series was vaporized, Dewan was able to use his sci-fi clout to score a 16-episode run on the short-lived Canadian TV space opera series Jason of Star Command as the character Commander Carnarvon. When it came time to bring the NCC-1701 out of mothballs for 1979 Star Trek The Motion Picture, Dewan was on board and ready to serve, sharing the screen for arguably the film's most iconic moment, where Kirk is reunited with his former ship to glorious fanfare. The actor was particularly proud of this scene, and often defensive of the frequently derided motionless picture, as unimpressed fans came to refer to it. 
He was also instrumental in helping create the Klingon and Vulcan dialects used in the film, which would eventually be developed into full languages. While Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, was far better received than the original, Dewan had mixed feelings on the final film. It was hard to argue that director Nicholas Meyer had crafted a dazzling sci-fi extravaganza, but Scotty's subplot involving his relationship with his nephew serving on the ship was edited down to almost nothing for the theatrical cut. Thankfully, much of the material was later added back into Meyer's director's cut. The majority of the films rarely employed Scotty to his fullest potential, calling on him to mostly deliver exposition or, in the case of the Shatner-directed fifth entry, The Final Frontier, as bumbling comic relief. Trekkies frequently cite a moment where the character knocks himself out after walking into the Enterprise's low ceiling as a franchise low point. Only Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, directed by Dewan's favorite director Leonard Nimoy, offered him some classic moments, as when Scotty, after traveling back to 1986 San Francisco, attempts to communicate with a desktop computer by speaking into the mouse. While many view Scotty's farewell as being his first cameo in 1994's Star Trek Generations, it was hardly worth Dewan's dedication and talent. After all, he was only offered the spot after Nimoy and DeForest Kelly turned it down. Rather, it was 1992 Star Trek Next Generation episode Relics that truly gave Dewan his proper curtain call. Reawakened by the crew after being trapped for 75 years in a Dyson sphere, Captain Montgomery Scott is given one final shot at glory, using his miracle worker Moxie to save the Enterprise-D from certain destruction. Perhaps the finest moment, however, arrives midway through the episode when Scotty and Picard share drinks in a holodeck recreation of the original Enterprise and share war stories. When asked about the differences between working on The Next Generation versus the original series, Dewan cheerfully remarked, They treated me like a king. Well deserved, Scotty. Well deserved. A reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, and at our homepage, www.coolcanadianhistory.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Doc Boris, that's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. And I want to thank you all for listening. For Cool Canadian History, I'm David Boris. Until next time, stay cool. Stay cool.